Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And I wasn't sure how long I wanted to wait to do this. The Rockies have made a trade, and I believe they might be about to make a few more. And so I was maybe going to wait till after the deadline and talk about all of them, but I figured let's go ahead and break down this first one. It's big enough to have a conversation about it. And I'll just leave some of the philosophical stuff about what does this mean for the team moving forward? And are they going to trade any more people to the next podcast that hopefully they force me to do right away, right? Because I I don't want to do all of that. And then by the time you listen to this, they will either have probably made more trades, at which point that will be irrelevant, or they will have not made more trades. So let's just have that conversation once the facts are on the table. But we do have some facts with regard to exactly what they've done, which is send CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick to the Los Angeles Angels in exchange for a couple of pitchers, Jake Madden and Mason Albright. Madden was ranked 8th in the Angels system by MLB Pipeline. Not a particularly great system in terms of its overall rankings, but still a top 10 guy in their system and Albright 28th. So two top 30 prospects for a couple of expiring veteran position player contracts. That's what we're looking at here. Now, I know a lot of folks out there, probably not a ton listening to this podcast, but still it's worth noting, or maybe a little upset at, at the return of, if you were thinking, you know, CJ Crone. I think the biggest concern here, most reasonably, right, is that Crone should have been traded last year. What's funny is that a lot of the people who were saying that last year, and to some degree have been proven right to that his value wasn't as high this year as it probably was a year ago when he was an all-star, as opposed to this year with less time remaining on the deal and he's been injured and he hasn't been quite as good, right? So presumably, Crone wasn't as valuable as he would have been in a trade a year ago. But it's also true that basically everyone clamoring for that was also clamoring for Randall Gritchick to be traded at the time. And his value, you might have thought, would not have gone higher. And it actually did. Uh, Surprisingly enough, he's having a much better season this year. Uh, So ultimately, uh, I don't know how much... I don't think they were ever going to get a superstar player for CJ Crone. One of the things I try to remind folks in these conversations is that if you and I are sitting there going, hey, Crone is at the peak of his value and this is the hottest his bat has ever been, the other GMs know that too. They know there's a flip side of the coin. They know that there was a possibility that what happened to Crone last year, by the way, could happen, which is that he wasn't going to finish the season strong. And any GM who had unloaded a decent pitching prospect to the Rockies to get Crone for that and for what he's gone and delivered basically since the deadline last year would have been lambasted for it right? So they know that's a possibility too. If you and I know that, and we're all sitting here saying, well, the Rockies should have swindled somebody out there. And it's easy for us to say that, right? But I promise you that, and it's the case with these guys too now. So they know that it's possibility that Crone and Gritchick come and really help their offense. And day one, they were the difference makers. And that was really cool. And I'm going to have a fun time cheering on the angels the rest of the way. But this works both ways, right? All the, the GMs know that these guys have had some injuries, that they tend to be a little bit streaky, that they might be getting guys who really improve their offense, but they also might not. And so they're not just going to unload top prospects. And I don't think the Rockies were going to get top prospects for them last year either. As I've been saying all along, what they need to get is intriguing arms, 
right? And when a guy's a top 10 in someone else's system and comes with a, a quite a bit of interesting pedigree, Jake Madden's 21, six foot six, pitching in uh, A ball so far this year. So remember, we don't have any more, a lot of the lower levels. There is still low A, so they threw him right into A ball. So, th so the fact that he's got a 546 ERA, you might go, well, that's not super impressive. But for his first 64 innings of professional baseball at 21 years old, with no rookie level, no low A ball, just straight into A ball, you know, that's, it, it's not overwhelmingly impressive, but there's a lot to like there. High strikeout rate, 9.23 per nine so far. High walk rate. We've talked about this with a lot of the guys they've gotten, right? 5.46. But those numbers are pretty early to be drawing any conclusions about. Fangraphs loves his changeup. Sees it as already a major league average changeup with the ability to get uh, quite a bit better than that. Uh, thanks to our friends over at Blake Street Banter, I learned that his changeup has a 74% whiff rate this season, which is remarkable. Uh, they see his fastball is just below average with the possibility to become above. Same thing with his slider. Uh, don't love his command, which can always be an issue, and we, we see that so far in the walk rate. But from reading across the interwebs, as I do when things like this happen, uh, he seems like he was a prospect on the rise as well. It was a fourth-round draft pick by the Angels, so 118th Overall, so not super high, but still enough where you might be able to get some out of this guy. Like I said, big body guy, righty, six foot six, 185 pounds, uh, according to fan graphs. A lot of times those can be a little bit behind as guys fill out during these years. And something that the Rockies have shown uh, another interest in. Uh, they've gotten a couple of big body guys during this trade season, I guess I'll say. Uh, going back to Mustakis, right? So this. You know, a lot of people might want to say, so is he going to be the guy? You never know. If he becomes an above average major league pitcher, then this was a great trade. The thing is, you've got to put them all together. Let me do real quick on So Mason Albright is not as big, six feet tall, lefty though. So that's two lefties they've gotten of the five pitchers they've received in the trades that they've done so far. Uh, and Fangraphs loves his curveball, sees it as already above average. At a, at a major league level, a 55, remember, with 50 being league average, uh, and seeing it with the possibility to get better. Don't love his fastball or his changeup, though. 40 to 45 and 30 to 45. And don't love his command, though they see the ability for that to potentially become above average. That's an interesting one. He's a 35 right now. They see a potential for a 55 in the command. If he can really improve his command with a curveball that good from the left side, uh, maybe he becomes something. Maybe he ends up becoming a reliever. Maybe he's a trade chip for the Rockies down the line. But to finish the point I was about to make about Jake Madden, but applying it to everybody. So the Rockies have five pitchers now in their organization that they didn't when the season started, who all have something on the resume you can point to. Like I said, I just said, Mason Albright might be one of the least exciting of the, he might be the, the lowest of the five. And he's got an above average curveball from the left side already, right? That's something. That, that's something that you can build on. And then, like I said, with the possibility for the command to go up, maybe a future reliever, 
if two of these five guys end up being above average major leaguers, the Rockies have done pretty darn well here at the trade deadline. Now, there's still, I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into talking about hand, suitor, bard, all that stuff. I'm going to let the rest of the day play out. But just for right now, this was a good get for two guys who don't, I, I don't think ever really had as much value as a lot of Rockies fans would like to believe. Yes, Crone might have had a bit more value last year, but you still weren't getting somebody else's top five pitching prospect, right? So the fact that you got somebody's number eight is, yeah, maybe a little bit lower than you would have gotten a year ago, but not appreciably. And I think packaging the two of them together so that they could get two players back, uh, again, increasing that sort of dartboard approach, right? Because all prospects on some level are a guessing game. Uh, doing the videos for the research on the history of the Rockies trades, right? Sometimes the ones you think the Troy Tulowitzki trade at the time looked perfectly reasonable and justifiable. The Rockies got Jeff Hoffman, who had been a top 10 pick. Remember taking right after or right before uh, Kyle Freeland, right? In the top 10, uh, number one pick, a lot of prospect pedigree, two relief arms, who had a ton of talent in Jesus Tinoco and Miguel Castro, two guys who, by the way, are still out there having pretty solid careers. And Hoffman's kind of turned things around as well. So three pitchers who on paper really looked like they should have helped that team but never really did, right? And then there was the whole Jose Reyes element of it. Nothing in that trade worked out the way you would have thought it would. And then on the flip side, you know, there was the DJ LeMahieu trade where that seemed to be entirely about Tyler Colvin and Ian Stewart, LeMahieu was just some random guy thrown in at the end, and he ended up being by far the most valuable piece moved in the deal. To some extent, when you acquire prospects, you're throwing darts at the board. And the best way to eventually succeed with that is more darts, right? I have long been of the position that quantity is almost more important than quality because number one overall picks can draft or can, can flame out and retire before ever reaching the bigs. And guys who were taken in the 15th round can become Hall of Famers in this sport. Now, obviously, you know, you, you still want to <laughs> you pay attention to some of the prospect rankings and the pedigree and all of that stuff. But you just need more guys, especially when it comes to pitching at Coors Field with how much of it can be mental. You just need the right magical combination of mental skills, physical tools, uh, short memory, uh, the ability to throw certain kinds of pitches. Like there's all kinds of weird science that goes into it, right? And ultimately, my belief is that you've just got to throw as many guys out there as possible, see what sticks, and find out who becomes the next Jorge De La Rosa or Tyler Chatwood or Daniel Bard, right? Like no one thought he was going to become what he's become, and you've got to open it up for guys, preferably a bit younger than that, uh, to have the same kind of opportunities. So with the five pitchers that they have so far, I'd like to see that number increase to seven because I feel like two out of five, mm, you're asking for still a lot there. It's, it's still like, and again, I like each one of the arms. You can go through and see certain things and it's going to be fun following these guys through the minors. At least there's something now. That's the other thing, right? When the season began, even as the Rockies farm system was on the rise and getting rated better by basically everybody across the board, some much higher than others, but still clearly improving. But it had been primarily through these position player prospects, Zach Veen, Drew Romo, uh, Yankel Fernandez, Aaron Schunk, these guys having great years, Adiel Amador, obviously the big riser there, right? And so 
But, but you would see, other than Gabriel Hughes, their number one pick from a year ago, just no pitching in the top 10, 15. Sometimes you could look at a Rockies top 20 prospect list and see like two, maybe three pitchers in there at all. And I think three or four of the five guys they've got are now going to be in that top 20. They've dramatically improved the quality of their starting pitching. Maybe potentially both. Some of these guys might shake out to be relievers, but of the pitching in their system. Right. And that was by far the most important thing that they needed to do was inject arms into what was already becoming a very good farm system and has a lot of potential to improve this team over the next couple of years. It was just unclear, like uh, where the pitching was going to come from. And now, again, while there's no one guy, there's no hot prospect. uh, I'm of the mind that you got to be really careful with that. Right. You know, John Gray taking third overall had a great minor league career, and had a pretty good career for the Rockies, but never turned into that total ace that a lot of people thought he maybe could become, right? Marquez, on the flip side, you know, did become a little bit of that star player for a little while. The Rockies acquired him late, kind of like these guys, right? He was still a minor leaguer, but they acquire him. He pitches really well in double A, comes up the next year, Kind of turned into a superstar. And I promise you, if the Rays had known what Marquez was going to become, they wouldn't have made that trade. So, again, the Rockies have won some of these in the past. Will Jake Madden become the next Armand Marquez? Who's to say? You know, nobody knew Marquez was going to become the next Marquez. A lot of people didn't see Kyle Freeland with his relatively mediocre minor league numbers becoming what he became, right? But I do think, so So you can get bogged down in the statistics and start saying, I don't think that guy's going to pan out. I don't think that guy's going to pan out, this, that, or the other. The fact of the matter is the Rockies have now moved out four players who were veterans on expiring contracts who weren't going to be around next season. Mike Moustakis, Pierce Johnson, CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick. And in return, they have received five pitchers who dramatically improve the quality of their farm system. Like I said, we don't know, right? None of us has a crystal ball. And one of the reasons I've been doing the YouTube videos on the, the you know, trades of the past is because once, you know, everything is panned out, then you can kind of go back and see, okay, how much war did each team get from each player, right? What did they go on to do? Or as much as, say, the, the cargo holiday thing, right? We call that a win oftentimes out here because we know Holiday was going to be gone and Cargo became a top five player in franchise history. So you say that's a good trade. But if you're just looking at it in terms of how much war did each guy put up for each team, it's kind of a wash, right? Post that trade, Holiday was still really good. Though, to be fair, in St. Louis, not for the team that traded for him, Oakland. That's a whole other thing. But forget that for just a moment moment, as we're talking about war and, and trades value, right? The, the two players were roughly equal in value for the rest of their careers. Whereas in the LeMahieu trade, he put up way more war than anybody else in that deal, right? So looking forward, as we say, well, Krohn and Gritchick are going to immediately start accumulating their wins above replacement for the Angels. And then, but, but that's all that you get to really count is whatever they do for the rest of this year out of the trade. And I doubt that it's going to be more than one or two 
wins above replacement combined. I mean, if they, you, you never know. They could have really strong years and, and finish with three or four combined wins above replacement. But then that's what the Rockies essentially need out of these pitchers somewhere down the line in order to say, yeah, they won the trade, as it were. Right. But in the grand scheme of things, it really is about attacking the problem with numbers. And I think they've done well here. Obviously, the other point before getting into the big picture stuff is the playing time question. This move should open up quite a bit more playing time for the Nolan Jones, Michael Tolia, Alauris, Montero unit. We've already seen Montero starting to take advantage. I hope he just plays every day for the rest of the season or as many days as is reasonably possible. All three of those guys, right? You need to see as much as you can out of Tolia, Jones, Montero, uh, anybody else, you know, hopefully Aaron Schunk is on the verge of getting a call. Uh, that's the, the other big part of this that's going to be a big positive for the Rockies moving forward if they don't mess it up, right? Assuming that they don't figure out some way to still not play, particularly Montero, which has been the most frustrating one of the season. But I'll get into talking about, you know, the Bill Schmidt philosophy and to what extent we should shift our gears or believe that things have shifted and, and, and changed around here uh, till after the deadline is all the way through so we can have that conversation in its entirety. But certainly, even moments before this trade went down, there were people who believed the Rockies would do absolutely nothing at the deadline and continue to play particularly these two players who were getting a lot of playing time when they were healthy and available, Gritchick and Crone were starters, right? And so you can try to move the goalposts all you want. There's no getting around the fact that they traded two guys who were everyday players off of their roster. And the only where to go, only place to go right now at the very least is to play these young guys. Like that's, just a straight-up admission. That's doing exactly what we all begged them to do, something they've been reluctant to do in the past. And I know to some people it still feels like a half measure, but maybe it's baby steps in the right direction. It's certainly you've got to give credit where it's due. And if you were five minutes before it happened saying they're not even going to do the bare minimum, and then you just consider this to be the bare minimum. No, I don't. Like I said, I consider this to be a relatively significant trade for the team that they have right now. Uh, but either way, they've improved their farm system. They've clearly attacked with pinpoint precision the need that they have. Right, Not a single position player coming back. No need, no thank you. <laughs> we got them. Give us give us to pitching. Clearly attacking that issue. Well, also simultaneously, whether explicitly or implicitly, saying, yes, it's time to play the young guys. It's going to be a new era of Rockies baseball, and we're building around the next generation. So let's see if they do any more, and I'll be back here with another podcast very, very soon. Actually, either way, because then if they don't, it's time to have the fuller conversation about where are they in terms of their philosophy, what are our current feelings on Bill Schmidt, and what does it mean for the rest of the way if they've still got some of these veteran position players and relievers around. So let's see what happens for the rest of the day. Thank you for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake. Make sure you're checking out everything else on the YouTube channel, on the 
website over at milehighsports.com. And other than that, you're just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.